Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us and choosing to spend your time with us today. We're going to be talking about busy, productive, or fruitful. These are sort of the three options that's put out there. Most of us always call ourselves busy, but we're going to be seeking what does it mean to be busy, productive, and what does it mean to be fruitful? Are these the only options other than laziness, really, in our lives? So thanks for joining us. I am Kelly Newcomb, one of your hosts. And I'm Chelsea Heasel. So we are super glad that you guys are with us today. Kelly, um, I think this is a great topic to dive into, especially this time of year, right? Everyone loves fall. We all kind of envision that fall slows us down from summer, but that actually doesn't happen. It's a big fat joke every year. It is absolutely a busy season for most of us. And with Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's just literally right around the corner, which I can't even go there right now in my mind, (laughs) it is about to get a whole lot busier for us. So I think now is a really great time to do a little reconciling of how we spend our time. And of course, how much of our time engaging with media and technology adds to our busyness and actually takes away from our productiveness. Yeah, absolutely. Think about, and I mentioned this just before, how many times someone asks you when um, they say, hey, how have you been? You know, normally our response is, oh, good. But a lot of times, even though we know good is lame, the other natural answer that comes out is busy. It's just a natural flow. And I've, I've really heard it argued that people in society sort of use that as a badge of honor in order to sort of maybe demonstrate how important they are. Um, and while that might have a, a grain of truth on a subconscious level, I really do believe that we just have maxed out schedules, all of us. And I'll be the first person to confess, if you know me, that I have a very full schedule. I work full time in a retail pharmacy. I'm getting my master's degree, doing brave parenting ministry and parenting, not nearly um, as much because my kids are all young adults. But with all of that, I. I can say that even though I have a full schedule, I don't love that word busy. I don't love to say, oh, I'm busy. I feel like my life is full. Um, and if there's definitely days that are busy when I have got lots of appointments or deadlines, but generally I like to kind of feel like I'm productive. And that requires a lot of intentionality and in how I spend my time. I have to say no to a lot of good things, even fun things, so that I can fulfill the commitments on my plate, and it's hard. It's just really hard. But let's be honest. If someone says to me, hey, Kelly, how have you been? And I answer, I have been so productive. How about you? (laughs) Like that would sound super arrogant, I think, and prideful. I've never given that answer. It's true. I actually, I thought about that for a long time. And I've, I've kind of started like anecdotally changing what I say I'm afraid that we're going to come across as hypocritical. You know, like you, I also lead a very full life through the Lord's blessing and providence. You know, I homeschool three kids. I finished a counseling degree, a biblical certification program. I actively counsel, volunteer, and participate in my church family. I take care of my own family. And of course, I work with you. And like you said, I say no to a lot of things because I try to be very intentional about how a yes is going to impact what is already happening. A question that kind of revolves around my head frequently is, am I being fruitful or am I the dribble in the wheel? And I am probably not the only person who ponders that. Yeah, 100%. You know, 
other time, there's been times in my life for sure I felt like that hamster on the wheel. I remember when I had all seven kids at home and were in school, and I had all four boys playing baseball, and I had like daughter in volleyball and basketball, pep squad, and it was like I was running around like crazy. Every day felt so busy. It felt like chaos, like all these activities I was cramming in, even though they didn't really fit and they stretched us beyond the limit. And looking back, I don't even think my boys wanted to play baseball. (laughs) I think I wanted them to. I wanted to assimilate them and they had just been adopted and this is a great thing to do. And, And honestly, I just did it to myself. And I think that busyness trap is one that a lot of us fall into because we just look around and we see what everyone else is doing. And we conform subconsciously as parents when we see what other parents are doing. I think someone could have totally looked at me at that time in my life and thought, oh, if this mom can have four boys in baseball and work full time, well, then I certainly should be able to manage, you know, this, that, and the other. And unfortunately, I don't think that voice um, of questioning, is this necessary? Is this right? What is this going to do? Those questions of that voice in our heart, it just isn't loud enough. And so we just keep kind of conforming to the pattern of busyness that's all around us. And that's why we want to have this conversation today. Not because I have it perfect or you have it perfect, Chelsea, but we just want to help everyone um, sort of speak into this and get us thinking about this because we often don't give ourselves permission to step back and evaluate our commitments and responsibilities and really kick some unnecessary ones off the list. God's word does tell us to not conform to the patterns of this world, right? But be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's Romans 12 too. But what happens, right? When we are all conforming to this standard of busyness, when we can all admit, I mean, the world is just busy right now. And so, right, shouldn't we as Christians look different? Shouldn't we look not so busy or we should look fruitful? (laughs) What does that look like? We think we've got to be doing it all or we're not doing it right, right? Am I, am I correct in that assumption? I, I know I've definitely felt that as a mom. I've got to have all my kids in the activities doing some sort of sport, doing some sort of artistic development, having making sure that they're getting A's in all of their subjects because they've got to be doing it all. And that was for my own personal validation and for those who are looking at me from the outside. But the reality is, is that we aren't doing the right things in God's way, truthfully. We're still doing it wrong. And I think that is a lot of us as 21st century American parents. So what we want to do today is we want to kind of define what busyness is and what productivity actually means, and then the difference between those two, as well as help you, the listener, so that you in turn can help your child. And then recognize if your tech or your media usage contributes to more of your busyness or to your productivity. We also want to look at this because God calls us to be careful about how we live, not as unwise, but as wise people, making use of every opportunity because the days are evil. That's Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. And he also calls us to have prepared minds for action. That's 1 Peter 1, 13. We aren't saying that busyness is all bad or that productivity is all good, but there are seasons in our lives for both. Some seasons, listen, they're going to be busy. That's just what happens when you're raising kids, right? And some seasons, they're going to be more productive than others. It's like, and Kelly, you get this. I have a 15, a 14, and a 12-year-old, right? And I have to drive them everywhere, which makes this an inherently busy season in my life. 
whereas all of your kids are over the age of 16. And all of a sudden, you have found yourself with a lot more free time because you're not driving everyone everywhere. Yes, that is. an. I mean, it's true, right? What you have to exchange that with the stress that comes with knowing that your kids are out there on the road. But you're absolutely right. There are seasons that come with raising kids. But there are seasons in our personal life where we find that maybe we just want to binge a certain show on Netflix. You know, we're tired from work. Work is hard. The season's hard. Maybe we're in a funk and we just justify mindlessly scrolling on social media because you don't want to think about anything else. Those two are seasons of our lives that we can fall into. And those seasons, you know, whether they're positive or negative, they're seasons that we are living out in front of our children. Yeah, that's really, really true. And so I think like as faithful Christian parents, we're then presented, right, with the challenge to determine how we live out those different seasons in our kids. What are will our kids perceive regarding how we spend our time? Will everyone sit silently scrolling or texting all the time in the car? Or are we going to be communicating with each other? Will our kids say of us that mom and dad, ugh, they were always busy. They didn't have time for me. Are they going to say that we were always distracted? That one always convicts my heart, Kelly. Or are they going to say that we were intentional, making the most of every opportunity? I think sometimes we forget how much of an influencer we have like on our kids, you know, especially when they're younger, we're like their number one most watched influencer, right? We don't have to post about our lives on social media. We literally have our biggest fans right in front of us. We just kind of need to look up from our screens. So knowing this, we must, as scripture says, be very careful about how we live and have prepared minds for intentional action. Lest we end up demonstrating to them that busyness is just a bunch of unfruitful works and to-do lists that make the days pass by but have absolutely no meaning. We are called to teach our kids how to make the most of every opportunity and help them live wisely and make wise scheduling decisions. Not only is this practical for adulthood, but it's the biblical pursuit of holiness and discipleship and our time management and how we live, what God has given us to steward as time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's do this. Let's define busyness. Okay, so busyness, according to dictionary.com, says it is the state or condition of having a great deal to do. Well, we should all understand that. I think that's pretty obvious. We know what it feels like to have a great deal to do. But there's also a second definition, and it's defined as the quality of being excessively detailed or decorated. Now, Chelsea, I immediately think when I read that definition of that quaint little shop we visited in Colorado a couple weeks ago, and every shelf and display was teeming, overflowing with trinkets. It was the kind of place that you would just never allow a rambunctious three-year-old boy into, right? Because something would break. There was so much stuff, so much busyness, right, going on that I didn't even know what to look at. I thought, do I just meander through? What do, do I pick something up? Do I look at it? You know, there was, do I look at these decorative spoons that I don't know how anybody would or why anybody would ever use it? Or this miniature stuffed owl or this framed picture or this cup or saucer or stationary flowers? Sometimes right? When there's so much tangible things, it's considered busy. You know, some people think that's really attractive, but some people think that's just a complete turnoff. They like simplicity. So I want us to keep this sort of definition in our mind as we flesh out what our busy lives look like, because I think both definitions are going to serve our purpose. Now in scripture, 
One way to translate the word busy comes from the Hebrew word asa, and that is often translated by the words do, make, or bear. So right off the bat in Genesis, we see God making. He's using this word asa, Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Well, the word make and let us make man is the same word that is elsewhere translated as busy. So you could kind of say that God was busy for six days. And what do we know about what God did after he spent those days making, right, or sort of busying himself with work? He rested. And we also know that from Genesis, God didn't work through the night, right? There was a distinct pause defined by how he reflected on his creation. Um, There was daytime and there was night and he calls it good. But then on the seventh day, he got fully rested. So while God made and worked, or you could say sort of busied himself for six days, he paused to reflect and evaluate and then carried on until the seventh day when he rested. Now, even more interesting is how the same word can also be defined as bearing. In Genesis 1.12, after God creates vegetation, the text tells us, the earth brought forth a vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit after their kinds with seed in them. So this describes the work done according to the purpose given to it by God. Fruit trees are, you could say, busy in themselves with their intended purposeful work of producing fruit. And all of these definitions of busy or busyness helps us understand really just how nuanced the word is. Most of us all fall into this dictionary.com definition number one, having a great deal to do. But I think it's helpful to understand that busyness can also be just doing the work of your intended purpose that God created for you to do. That was awesome. I mean, think about God who has infinite power and energy, right? Perfectly. And yet he rested. Like I'm just kind of wrapping my mind around that one. He rested. And he didn't have to, but he did that for us that we would see that model. Just beautiful. So this kind of brings us then to our definition of productivity. Productivity is the quality, state, or fact of being able to generate, create, enhance, or bring forth goods or services. But Kelly, I'm going to be super honest with you right now. This definition is not amazing to me. It does not sound satisfying or life-giving. I think productivity is so often used um, regarding industry and manufacturing that I, that should never really be how we view our life as some sort of like assembly line with the goal of so much output per hour. So let's look at what scripture says. In Habakkuk 3.17, the prophet says that even if their agricultural prosperity fails because they as a nation have failed, Habakkuk still trusts in God's sovereignty. Okay, so here's a little context. Here's what the word says. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls. And then even though it's not necessary in our discussion of productivity, it really is just beautiful nonetheless. But Habakkuk says in verse 18, Yet I will exalt the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. So when he says the fields produce no food, that word produce is the same Hebrew word, asa, that was used for busy or to make or to do. 
So then we look at the Greek word used in the New Testament translated from the Hebrew, and it's poieo, meaning to do, to make, or to bear. Now, this word is actually used in Matthew 7, 18, when Jesus says, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, but the bad tree produces bad fruit. So we can gather from this understanding that there is a distinct connection between doing work that busies us and the outcome of that work, which we can biblically summarize as fruit. If we are working and producing anything as Christian, Christians, it really should be good fruit, as Jesus says in John 15, that he is the vine and we are the branches that are grafted into him, and he who abides in him and he in them produces much fruit. And apart from him, we can absolutely do nothing, right? God wants us to produce fruit. So the question we really need to ask ourselves is whether we're working and busying ourselves to produce fruit, or is our goal only to produce results like wealth? or fame, or happiness, or popularity, or fill in the blank with any other worldly virtue which have been elevated in modern society. In fact, according to another website called betterup.com, when people think of being productive, they often think about what they're personally getting done. For many people, that means checking things off of their to-do list. Now, that type of personal productivity reflects how efficient you are at completing tasks, but I'm just here to say, not all tasks are created equal. Yes, yes. I love that distinction between producing fruit and producing results. Not all of what we do, make, work for, and busy ourselves has eternal significance. And really not all of it even has ephemeral or transient significance right in the here and now. If we're honest, our tasks are not created equal. So for example, Volunteering as a student leader of teenagers in your church, that takes some time. Binging Yellowstone also takes some time. Those two tasks are not created equal. And that's how we kind of have to look at it. Here's what one LinkedIn post said when we just Googled busyness versus productivity doing some research. This said, being busy simply means that we are occupied with tasks or activities. It doesn't necessarily mean that we are making progress or achieving our goals. On the other hand, being productive means that we are making meaningful progress toward our goals. And I like this definition when we think about um, productivity. Busyness that isn't producing fruit is just a bunch of tasks or activities. You can be busy in the morning because you spent too much time scrolling social media or catching up on the news, but you could also have a busy morning because your daughter has a big test and you take extra time to review with her and pray with her before she goes to school. The two tasks are not equal. One fills your time, the other works towards a goal. Now, what is that goal? Let's pause and just clarify what our goals as Christian parents should really be. Well, if we just consider that, what is the, the question from the Westminster Catechism? What is the chief end of man? It is to worship God and enjoy him forever. So that could be our number one goal. But Jesus also commands us to make disciples in the Great Commission. And he told us to abide in him and bear much fruit. So we could kind of just summarize right there as parents, we are to worship God, we are to make disciples of our children, and we are to bear fruit. Now, does that mean 
that we can't have a goal to say, clean out the hall closet by the end of the month, right? No, all right, we can still have those goals, but we're talking like big picture goals that every faithful Christian should have. And these are goals that should shape our decision-making and our scheduling for our families. And these goals should be about producing fruit. Maybe we'll see the fruit next month. Maybe we won't see the fruit of what we're doing for 10 years. But the heart behind it is abiding in Christ in order to make disciples and bear fruit. (coughs) And here is where I fear so many people have sort of fallen away from their God-given purpose to be fruitful. They believe this lie that as a Christ follower, you just have to go to church and be a good person, maybe even vote Republican, right? So many people believe that lie and are living and operating solely sort of on this American economy of, of busyness and productivity and then forgetting that we are under God's economy, created to live on this earth for a purposed amount of days with a purpose to worship him, make disciples and produce fruit. And I truly believe too many Christians have bought in the lie that they can love Jesus, be a moral person, work eight hours to pay the bills, and then come home and be entertained. Now, Chelsea, I'm going to probably hurt some feelings here, but I'm willing to make you uncomfortable for your edification, right? On so many levels, all of us, the best of us, y'all, have allowed entertainment and media to destroy our fruitfulness. We call our everyday tasks and work productivity and deem our time in front of the screen as rest or just the mindless activity we need because of all the busy work in our lives. And this is a lie. And sitting in front of a screen or mindlessly scrolling social media is not the rest that God intends. But also, I just like to add that there can be the like that overly decorated busyness and productivity that looks really good on the outside. But if the goal isn't aligned with God's purpose of disciple making and fruitfulness, then really, honestly, it's just effort justification. It's a bunch of tasks that convince our hearts that we're putting forth a great deal of effort and that effort should matter for something. But at the end of the day, or truthfully, at the end of our lives, all the work that we've done that never produced fruit, that was never done to spread the gospel, all of that is going to be meaningless. It's kind of like that saying goes, like, work smarter, not harder. Maybe we should change it to be work holier and not harder. I don't think we could sell a t-shirt that says that, but if someone out there wants to create, like, a water bottle sticker, I'll totally put it on my water bottle. (laughs) (laughs) We do. We need to work holier. I I like what you say about effort justification because it's it's more about pursuing holiness. Yeah, that's really true. That's very true. Yeah, think about effort justification. Like the type of busyness, honestly, like a lot of moms lead. They go, go, go. They do, do, do all for their kids because it it makes them feel like they're needed and they have a purpose. And honestly, like it's like a genuine good, but it kind of gets distorted, right? It's a genuine good that gets corrupted and that's what we're all capable of. And what does that outwardly show the kids though, if you're always going and you're always doing stuff for them? Does it show them that their mother is a saint and deserves to be honored for still washing their clothes and packing their lunches when they're 17 years old? Um, 100% no. This kind of goes back to that idea of you can teach them to fish or you can keep giving them fish, right? 
this is that overly decorated busyness that even if this mom loves the Lord and spends time by herself in the word every day, but never actually disciples her own children, teaching them to be careful about how to live and how to make the most out of every opportunity, the kids will never see the mom's productivity as fruitfulness. They'll see the busyness as an over-cluttered and trinket-filled shop where everything seems to be important, but nothing actually is. Yeah, I think that's what our kids see. Like, I, I, I like to think about it from the kids' perspective. What do they see as I'm doing my work, as I'm actually going to physical work, as I'm studying and writing papers for school, as I'm recording podcasts? Do they see it as fruitfulness? Do they see it as I'm just busy? You know, I'm very intentional to not sort of be on my phone in front of them. You know, what, but what do they really think? And that should be a motivation of our heart. All right, so let's get practical. How do we distinguish in our lives between busyness, productivity, and fruitfulness? Well, I think the best way to identify your busyness is to track how you spend the bulk of your time for a week. Now, I know most of you aren't going to make a little spreadsheet and write everything down because that's just not the world we live in. But I do encourage you to keep a sort of mental inventory or reflect back on your last week, if you can remember it, and see where it is you're spending your time. You may find you spend two to three hours a day in the car and you didn't even realize it as you you know, drive your kids to school and to extracurricular activities. You may have an obvious you know, 40 to 50 hours a week at a job that you already know that takes up that time. Um, maybe you have toddlers and preschoolers at home who deserve um, direct one-on-one interaction, but you've never actually calculated how much time that is. And you can do that when you actually sit down and think about it. So some of these tasks, they do make us busy, but these are unavoidable. They're necessary. It is a part of life, but these necessary things also have a season. So what about how you spend your time, say, on household tasks like cooking and cleaning and laundry? Again, some of this is unavoidable, but nonetheless, calculate how much time you spend in a week doing these busy tasks. And as far as them being unavoidable, we're going to come back and touch on that towards the end. So hang tight on that one. Okay, then try to categorize how you spend the rest of your time. Is it in relationships, talking to your spouse and your kids and your neighbors? You know, do you volunteer? Do you have a hobby? Think about all of those. Last night, I, in preparation for this podcast, I literally calculated how long I talked to my husband after we both got home from work. And we talked for an hour <laughs> of just face-to-face talking. And I thought to myself, I love this time. I would never give this time up. This is precious time. But that, I just lost an hour of, quote, productivity time. Because in my mind, I got to get to bed. <laughs> and I wanted to make sure the podcast was ready. And so these are the things that I just want you all to be cognizant of. And so you can recognize what, what places a value and how, and how you're spending your time. Now, here's the real crux of it all, the big deal. I need you to calculate how much media and entertainment you are engaged with in a week. Is there nightly Netflix or Hulu? How much time every day are you really scrolling, posting, engaging in social media and emails, watching or reading the news, texting with friends? This, this needs, this is so important, y'all. Yeah, that's a, this is a really big deal right here. You know it's hard 
And it's one of the most critical pieces to understanding our fruitfulness. I would encourage everyone right now to pause us for a quick second and to look at your screen time report. Now, we've talked about this before when it comes to our kids, but this is oh so important for us as parents. So if you need to know where your screen time report is, if you have an Apple phone or an iPhone, it's under screen time. Um, If you have an Android phone, it's under digital well-being. Now, here's the deal, y'all. The average American spends about four hours a day on their phone. Just the average American. And a total of seven hours a day total on screens. Like, that's all screens encompassing. Let me tell you, my house would be squeaky clean if I spent four solid hours every day cleaning. Yeah, it's true. And I dare say, if you are unwilling to evaluate your screen time, or if you're unwilling to share it with someone else, there's a good chance you already know in your heart there's a problem. And we pray that you don't hear judgment in that. But as we've said so many times before, the phones, the apps, the platforms, they are all designed to addict you. They are not neutral because they are driven by algorithms that are programmed to psychologically manipulate you. And if you've given too much time to media entertainment, I want you to know that you are not alone. It is all of us at different seasons in life. But at the same time, that means that it needs to change. Now is the time if you can recognize, if you don't even want to look at your screen time because you know it's bad, now is the time to change. If someone was to say, hey, what did your screen time come back this week? And you say, I'm not sharing that. You, but you may know it's time to change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because listen, there is a marked difference in outcomes between phone screen time, which is like texting and scrolling, posting, reading, watching, listening, et cetera, right? And fruitful activities such as pouring into your kids and discipleship, reading, studying God's word, listening to a sermon, reading books about God, serving in the church, serving your neighborhoods, engaging in discipleship, et cetera. There is a definite difference in the outcomes between those two activities. But which is more likely to leave you feeling empty or makes you angry? Which makes you compare yourself to those around you and you find yourself lacking? Which of these activities has the potential to bring you lasting joy? Which of these two different activities gives you hope, right? So I realize that I'm obviously setting screen time up for failure because it can in no way compete with the gospel, but the point should be obvious. Screen media and entertainment is like consuming processed junk food. It only feels good in the moment and obvious, and honestly, not even sometimes like in the moment. Whereas pursuing God is partaking in the best food our creator has made. It always satisfies. It never leaves you feeling sick. It restores your entire body and soul. So if anything other than the necessary unavoidable parenting tasks are held in comparison to pursuing God and it is found lacking true fruitfulness, we have to reconsider that activity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's our next step, right? Once we evaluate how we spend our time and whether or not it is fruitful, right? Not just busy and productive. We have to decide what to change and how. And that can truly only be answered by the Lord. But I will say, because we know from experience that many of these motives are simply fear. Maybe we fear idleness or disappointing someone. Maybe we fear man's opinion more than God's. 
Or maybe it's just that we know that we should be productive, but we take on the wrong things that only make us feel busy. I think honestly, Kelly, looking back at when I had young kids and I would kind of turn towards media or my phone as a a means to kind of make me feel busy as if I were doing something, because truly what I wanted to do was avoid that other something, the something that was more meaningful, but was extremely hard. And that was my own heart. I wanted to avoid my own heart and what that looked like raising toddlers. Or folks, maybe if our plates are overly full because of all that we do for our kids, maybe we fear our kids' unhappiness or we fear their dislike. Or maybe perhaps we've just forgot that our purpose was to glorify God, to make disciples, and to bear fruit. Definitely. I think that because we take in so much content, we have we don't realize how much that content affects us. And I think that you're spot on. I think sometimes we've just forgotten. We don't mean to forget. We just conform so subtly to the busyness of the world that we forget that we're supposed to glorify God, make disciples, and bear fruit. Absolutely. Just as a quick side note, I was working in Psalm 91 yesterday. And at the very end, the Lord says, I will satisfy him. And I just sat there and I thought, God's supposed to satisfy me, but does my schedule satisfy me more than he does? Does my entertainment satisfy me more than he does? And it was just very convicting to think about that for for a few moments. But let's keep in mind what you just said. Um, Listen, all of this is going to look very different for every parent, and it's going to look different in every season of life. However, media cannot be the goal. Desiring mindlessness cannot be the justification. These activities don't produce fruit or disciples. Now, media and tech can be a tool used in your ultimate purpose, but alone it should not be the goal. What do you fill your time with if you're not consuming media? Maybe it's more intentional discipleship of your kids. Maybe it's more one-on-one time devoted to um, diligently instructing them in the knowledge and the discipline of the Lord and helping them shape their biblical worldview. Maybe this is a season where you homeschool your children because you're already spending three hours every night helping them with homework and another two hours countering the non-biblical ideologies that are being taught in public school. Right. Maybe you find yourself where I did when I evaluated my efforts a few years ago and I decided I needed some Bible classes. And I knew it was going to make me extremely busy if I took on getting my master's. You know, my husband and I prayed about it and decided that it would produce fruit in the long run. So that added task, that added busyness was worth it. So maybe that's something that you would love is to learn how to read the Bible, how to understand the Bible, learn more theology. So whether you consider formally pursuing a degree through a college we're just taking some online Bible classes. You can find so many through great ministries um, for free. Y'all, there are fabulous biblical resources on YouTube. If you're going to use YouTube, if you're going to use media and technology, this is how you should be using it. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe you make a meal for someone at your work or someone who's struggling. You offer to mow your neighbor's grass, maybe this time of year, rake leaves or something, or help them, a neighbor with a project. Maybe maybe you offer to babysit your friend's kids for free so that they can go have a date night and they can invest in their marriage. There are so many ways to be fruitful with your time in making disciples. 
honestly, this list could go on forever, but we we recognize your time listeners, <laughs> so we don't want this list to go on forever. But the distinguishing factor in all of this is that there's no selfish ambition involved. Your busyness, or rather the work of producing, should not be about serving you. Even if you're like, well, my job as a PTA president is all about serving the school and the students. But it's completely draining you and it provides you zero opportunity for discipleship. It's most likely serving a selfish or perhaps even a vain desire in your heart. And much like our phones that can do multiple things at the same time, we somehow imagine that we can do the same. We want to be machines and not humans. So the genuine good of our schedule becomes these horrible masters because the highest value that God has placed on our lives, which is love, gets replaced with productivity and efficiency. Yeah, I like that analogy. It's true. Our phones, which are high producing and have nearly unlimited potential, are just not like us. We are created beings with God-given limits. We're not limitless like our phones. We have limits on how much we can memorize, how much we can learn, how long we can stay awake. That's the limit that I don't like, um, and so on, right? God gave us limits for a reason, but He is God and we are not. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the Common Sense Media report that some teens are receiving upwards of thousands of notifications per day. And here's the deal. The phone, that phone can process all of that information. A 14-year-old cannot. Man, a 45-year-old like me cannot process thousands of notifications a day. We have limits and we need to recognize and really value those limits that we've been given. We must do this for ourselves and for our kids, right? We have to, as Ephesians 5 states, consider then how we live. We need to live wisely. That means discerning all that we could do and choosing what is the best way to bear fruit in the, the asa, the work of busying ourselves that God created us to do. So finally, we really want to leave you with just some practical tips that we've kind of collected about leading fruitful yet full lives. This is not all encompassing. These are just our top five. All right, number one, do not overserve your children while they remain entertained. It's like this. If you are making, serving, and cleaning up dinner while your kids play video games before and after dinner, and even complain that you're making them get off the game so that they can eat, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> this may make you feel maybe righteous because you're serving your family, but this is a terrible example for your kids. They need to contribute. They need to be busy for a good purpose and not just sit and be entertained. There is no reason for you, mom or dad, to exhaust yourself while they indulge in entertainment. It would never be the opposite. We would never make our kids do all the work while we sat and watched television, right? They too were created to be fruitful and do good works. So y'all make them do it. Okay, number two. Screen time limits and notification control. I had a dollar every time I said those words on the podcast. <laughs> Turn on screen time limits. Whatever app or entertainment is giving is really the one that you give into the most. Please be brave and put limits on it. 
as brothers and sisters in Christ, I implore you to use the phone as intentionally as possible in front of your children, which should mean as little as possible. Please do not scroll social media in front of them. Please do not be entertained in front of them when you should be engaged in conversation with them. Put those screen time limits, put the controls on your notifications so you're not constantly distracted. Oof. And number three, along those lines, get an RO. Listen, you guys have heard us talk about this thing for months. We love it. It helps everyone in the house spend more time off of their screen time and engaging in fruitful and life-giving activities. I love it. Every day my husband comes home and he puts his phone in the box and we have him. We have him undistracted and it's been a blessing to our family. Number four, learn to say no to the good or fun things and the guilt obligations you have. If your child wants to play a club sport that would cause your family to miss church most Sundays, the answer should be no. It is a command that we go to church. It's not a suggestion. If some friends offer you a free ticket to a concert with an artist that you you don't really care for, but hey, you know what? It's free. You can say no. Don't give your time to fruitless activities just because you can. If someone asks if you could bake 300 cupcakes for a school event, just say no. Man, I, found, I sound like a dare representative, don't I? Just say no. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, folks, we have to remember we are not created to kill ourselves to prove anything to any other person in our lives, but that we are meant to worship, obey, and love and enjoy God. And then number five, pray about every decision. Our lives truly become disordered and chaotic when God is not in his rightful place in our hearts. So pray for discernment. It is one of the best practices, daily practices that I know that I need. James 1.5 says that if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without finding any fault. Yeah. At the end of the day, we don't have to beat ourselves up for living out the average day without bearing extraordinary fruit for the Lord. But we do want to live intentionally considering how we live and choosing wisely because as Ephesians 5 says, the day is evil. If you haven't realized yet, evil is getting stronger every day. And Satan wants nothing more than to keep us busy doing unfruitful tasks. So we must aim to be fruitful and make the hard decisions that will get us there. And I want to leave us with a little bit of insight that I gained from my most recent research paper um, that I took for my master's class. I wrote a biblical theology of parenting, tracing the call to be fruitful and multiply through the entire breadth of scripture. In the Old Testament, of course, we have the creation mandate to be fruitful and multiply. And that was directly tied with to having children. Because in Genesis 3.15, you know, God promised that a Messiah would come from Adam and Eve's descendants, and that Messiah would crush the serpent. So through the line of Abraham to David, every descendant was just so highly anticipated as that potential Messiah. So they always talked about childbirth, hoping for that Messiah. Well, after the birth of Jesus, there isn't a focus on family lineage. You don't see any more genealogies go through the New Testament after you come to Jesus. And that's because the call to be fruitful and multiply shifts. In light of the salvation that we have in Christ, fruitfulness becomes the outworking of the Holy Spirit within us, right? It's what Galatians 
5.22 um, says, and the fruit of the Spirit. And the good works that are prepared for us and the multiplication, well, that's what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 in the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So the call to be fruitful and multiply is to bear this fruit of the Spirit that we have, to multiply disciples, to spread the gospel. That is our call. It's the call that was given to Adam and Eve in creation, and it's still our call today to be fruitful and multiply. And yes, that can be still bearing children, but it's the same thing. We're, we're making and raising them to be disciples, to, as Ephesians 5 says, to consider wisely how they are living and to have prepared minds for actions, not minds that just want to scroll without thinking and be entertained without thinking. No, our minds need to be prepared for action to do this work, this good work that God calls us to. Yeah, that's a fantastic connection between the Old and the New Testament. And I'm so glad you shared that with us. But at the end of the day, folks, all of these activities, especially the ones that Kelly just talked about, they take time and they take energy. They might kind of like busy you so that you cannot do other things. And that's okay. And you know what? At the end of the day, you might still be exhausted because you do all these good and amazing things. Exhaustion is part of the curse. I actually remember thinking a few weeks ago as I laid in bed, I was absolutely exhausted. And I was like, am I doing something wrong? Like, shouldn't I always feel good? But no, we live in a fallen and broken world. Yeah. God says that we toil in our work and it's, it's a hard labor. I just know, I know in my heart that his ways are so much better than what we think works or what we think we should do. And I don't know about you, but I do not want to stand before him in judgment only to be told how many days of my life and opportunities were wasted because I didn't wisely consider how I was living, because I was distracted by my phone or because I convinced myself I needed mindless activities to entertain me or, or I decided that I was going to deem Netflix and scrolling and all of this entertainment as rest and not actually find my rest in Christ. Yeah, and that puts the fear of God in me for sure. It's that knowledge that we are accountable, that we are given a certain amount of days and we have a task to do in those days and, and praise God that we have been given a wonderful task to do in those days. Well, Chelsea and I, we really do pray that this episode, while we said some hard things, um, truly it finds your heart open and willing to receive it. And we do thank you so much for tuning in um, and listening. We pray that um, this helps you evaluate your time and how it's spent, whether you're busy, productive, or fruitful. So thank you so much. Don't forget to get your RO, as we mentioned, is one of our practical ways to help you in your busyness, productive, and fruitfulness. The RO box is a, just a box. You can charge your phone, but it also is connected with an app that helps you quantify and almost sort of gamify your off-screen time. We love it. Go check them out. Go to goaro.com forward slash brave. That's G-O-A-R-O dot com forward slash brave. Use promo code brave and receive your first month subscription for free. This is a fantastic gift to give family members and friends for Christmas. Buy a year's worth of a subscription and give it to those who you know could really benefit from maybe some off-screen time. 
Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. Leave us a review. Y'all, we would just love so much if you took a few minutes to share with others why you listen to the show every week. We so appreciate you. Y'all, until next week, which is going to be November. So do you know what that means? Be sure to tune in and find out. Until then, as you consider wisely how to live, go and be brave. We'll see you next week.